Hi, I'm Brandon Lede. You may remember me from such podcast episodes as A Very Neil Breen Halloween and Is There Such a Thing as Good Torture Porn? I am preempting the usual intro to the Swampflex podcast just to mention that we had a microphone malfunction during our discussion of the Indian battle rap melodrama Gully Boy. We worked really hard on this episode, so it would have been heartbreaking to lose it entirely, even though James's microphone apparently was disconnected before we started recording, and somehow we didn't catch it. I have spent more time than I would like to admit editing the scraps of what I could salvage from the recording together based on what other microphones picked up of James's voice. Hopefully it'll sound a little bit like he's just calling in from Skype. More likely it'll sound like the early episodes of the show when we were just recording the entire room with a single desktop microphone because we didn't really know what we were doing. But most importantly, I think it was a really good conversation, and I didn't want to lose it just because of something stupid like a computer not working correctly or being misoperated by someone who barely knows what they're doing, like me. Welcome to episode 96 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I am James Cohn. And I'm Brittany Lombas. And we are recording in James's apartment in Mid-City, New Orleans. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swamp Flicks. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Nice round table of uh, white people here today to talk about hip-hop movies. Yeah, it feels weird. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, I mean, it is popular culture now. Like, th- this is pop music, is hip-hop music. Right. But... I think some of these movies go back to a time when that wasn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We're talking about biopics of famous rappers and um, some not so famous rappers. <laughs> this came up because there's a Bollywood version of Eight Mile that I've been talking up on the podcast for a couple months now, and I needed to find an excuse to make y'all to watch it. And that's how <laughs> that's how we got here today. And you had to subject yourself to Eight Mile. Yeah, I had to watch Eminem to get us here. <laughs> oh, so you good. took one for the team. <laughs> So, I don't know. I expect a lot of differing opinions today because music's very subjective. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this topic, though. Uh, hopefully, we don't screw it up too bad. No, they, these are a fun group of movies. What have y'all been watching lately besides these hip-hop biopics over the past few weeks? I watched the Pet Cemetery movie that came out this year. Oh, I saw that, too, like, in the past week. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at okay, all. Okay, good. <laughs> it was, like, fucking made-for-TV quality. Yeah. And I was so disappointed in it. Like, it felt like a cheap haunted house. There were just smoke machines on all the time. And everything was boring. And the only cool thing that I like that this movie did is give Church um, a, like, more screen time. <laughs> like, I feel like Church had a lot more screen Who's time. Who's Church? The dead cat. There you go. Mm-hmm. You see him a lot more. And he's, he's kind of, like, sassier, I think. Also, it was just kind of hokey. With, remember when there's like the kids and they're marching in the mask okay, and stuff? I, okay, like, that creeped me out. And I thought they played that on the trailer. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be like some weird like cult religious shit that kids like, you know, sacrifice animals. Like I thought they were going to take that spin on it. 
just from the assumptions I made for that two no, second for that one little scene. Yeah, and then it happened, and it didn't mean anything. <laughs> also, I don't know. Some about John Lithgow. He just wasn't as good as I forget the actor's name that played Fred Gwynn. Is that right? He yeah. didn't have Eddie Munster, right? Or the uh, yeah, he didn't have the long Eddie Munster. No, Herman Munster. Herman Munster, phase. my bad. Yeah, a lot of cars come down that road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was like the the OG Judd is so iconic, and John Lithgow with a beard that's just like drunk all the time was not very cool. That's disappointing, just because I love John Lithgow in general, and usually he's like intense on screen. He's the only good one actor in this film, I think, and he's still not good. What is y'all's relationship with the original? Because I don't think that's a particularly great movie either. I think it's a classic horror film, and it came with with a really good Ramon song. <laughs> that's true, which that's I thoroughly true. enjoyed. Yeah. I listen to every Halloween. It's just good. Like it's it's one of like the first horror movies that I remember seeing. You know? And yeah, I think it's like classic if you grew up after a certain point in time. That's maybe. true. And I think the little boy. And that one was very was creepy. Creepier. Then the the tw- so they, there's a twist in this one. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that. And uh, she sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say I thought the uh, spinal meningitis stuff with the sister was really scary as a kid. Do they do that in this one? They or? do. They go into like a little more detail too. I think they do, but it's like it's not realistic creepy. Like it's it just looks like if someone has spinal meningitis, they're not gonna look like that chick did. No, you know what I mean. Like she, they just made her. It, they went too far with it, where they just would have like gave her like a little crooked. It's spine like a and... haunted house version of spinal meningitis. Yes, this movie was just a big haunted house. I think. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, like a lot of Stephen King adaptations aren't that good. I, I don't think the original Pet Cemetery is like the height of horror cinema, no. but it was serviceable. It was fine. And he has terrible taste in movies. Like he did not like the original The Shining. He thinks that Doctor Sleep sequel that's out in the theaters right, right. now is like way better than The Shining. Really, I'm yeah. like I'm interested in seeing Doctor Sleep. It looks a little corny to me, but, but... I'm gonna wait for it to like start being available on demand. Like, I'm not gonna go to theaters to see it. So yeah, I mean, I I watched Pet Cemetery, and the only movie I've seen in theaters was um, Parasite. That's yes. the one I was going to bring up. Yeah, so you could bring it up and talk about it. I, I don't really want to, because I think we're going to talk about it on the next episode. I don't... Oh, shit. Okay. I'll just say I fucking loved I it. I fucking loved yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Good. Um, I do... I was talking to Hannah outside, and I was telling her how the sewage backed up in my bathtub. No! Um, like a couple of weeks ago in my apartment and I thought my dog farted so I was like yelling at her but it was just like a bunch of shit in my tub and I was like when that scene in Parasite happened I was like oh god like <laughs> I should have sat on the edge of my tub and had a cigarette <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> freaking out so I just want to throw that out there that's my my relationship with Parasite I, I really like the movie too I like how it like starts off as this like sort of conscious socially conscious drama yes and then it gets funnier and darker and then more of a genre movie in the past <laughs> yeah. in the last like, hour it's yeah, a lot of fun it's a party definitely I think that's gonna be on some of our top 10 list so we're, yeah we're definitely gonna be talking about that more and we're going full spoilers next episode so and we're gonna relate it to some other recent movies that we've disagreed on because Parasite's a pretty unanimously loved movie, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to throw in a couple movies we had like some disagreeing opinions on just to like kind of, yeah. Well, I have a signature Brandon <laughs> movie to bring up to y'all. I feel like once a year I always find these like sexually menacing, <laughs> over-the-top, violent, over-stylized movies like The Wild Boys and We Are the Flesh and The Untamed that I like just really latch on to. And I found my one for this year. 
called Violence Voyager. It's available to rent on VOD right now for like $4. It's a Japanese movie that is animated, sort of. It's in that almost like South Park style where there's like these cutout 2D, like almost puppets. The uh, director just sort of moves around by hand. So it's very crudely animated. And because the puppets are still cartoons that are like being filmed, he mixes in like smoke and goo and uh, fire and like actual liquids. There's all these like spermal type liquids on the screen. But this she movie, loved it. Oh, it is so good. So <laughs> this movie's so fucked up. It's about these like little kids uh, who live on this mountain in Japan and they make a, cut, a shortcut through the mountain to get to this destination that they never get to. Because on the way, they find this haunted amusement park called Violence Voyager. Whoa. Once inside, they are set up with these, like, squirt guns to shoot at these, like, fake robot invaders that are, like, in the park. And they're like, oh, it's 50 years in the future and aliens have invaded the planet and you have to stop them at all costs. Uh, and then when they complete the course, they're like, oh, that was it. And they go into the final part to sort of, like, return their weapons. And it turns out there's a creepy man who's abducting children in the area by luring them to this amusement park. And he actually turns them into these, like, fucked up robot-shaped meat creatures. <laughs> No. So th- there's all this like Cronenbergian mutations of the children. You could not make this movie not animated because it is already deeply uncomfortable watching like okay. animated <laughs> children suffer this way. And there's like this kind of undercurrent of like sexual menace of what the guy's doing to the kids because they're like naked for a lot of the experiments. But it is so fucking funny in like a really dark way. And it is so unnerving and creepy. And there's something about the, like, uh, choose-your-own-adventure throwback plot mixed in with this, like, actual, like, hardcore gore and, like, goo that just makes it, like, more disturbing. Like, it feels like it's made for children, even though the content is would scar a child for life. Uh, (laughs) So I highly recommend checking this out, even though it sounds like a pain in the ass. I don't know. I can't even think of, like, a visual. Like, I have nothing in my head right now to figure out what that looks like. So I'm intrigued. I was just thinking about the FBI creating some kind of profile. (laughs) For me. His movie taste. Like, all right, we need to check this guy out. That, that does sound intriguing, though. It is so metal. Like, I think you'll both really like it. It's oh, yeah. extreme, though. Like, the actual... I know you said you can't picture The actual cutouts of the kids and the characters are, like, hand-painted detail. Weird. So it's, like, crudely animated, but there's a lot of visual effort that went into it. Uh-huh. And because of the way it's shot, it almost feels like someone just made this in their basement. And you're like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, who is this? And should there be, you know, an FBI watch list that he should be on? Not to call back to our Neil Breen episode too uh, much, but... Um, yeah, Violence Voyager. If you just want to see one Violence of the more bizarre Voyager. films of the year. And it's short, too. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. Oh. I'll check it out. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, today, like I said, we're going to be talking about a bunch of biopics about famous rappers. Starting with a really long one. <laughs> Two and a half hour experience. <laughs> Uh, and all that's coming up to you right now. And now it's time for our movie of the minute. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. 
And it was my turn to pick this episode, and I made everyone watch Gully Boy. It's currently available on Amazon Prime and has been for months, and it's been very hard to get people to watch it. Uh, <laughs> it was a very daunting just hitting play because it is like two hours. Two and a half hours, right. yeah. Yeah. It's directed by Zoya Akhtar. It's a Bollywood production. It's a Hindi language melodrama. The basic structure of it is almost a copycat template from 8 Mile. Right. You watch this poor 20-something kid from Mumbai who lives in like this slum with probably six members of his family in like the size of what most people's living rooms would be mm-hmm. the entire house he is a rap nerd and listens to hip-hop a lot on his like headphones and eventually finds a small hip-hop scene in the community in his area in Mumbai and because of his lyrics earns pretty quick fame on like YouTube and in these rap battles and eventually opening for uh, the American rapper Nas, who is a producer on this film. Mm-hmm. Zoya Akhtar took inspiration from Divine and Nazi, who are two real rappers from Mumbai. So this is why we're including it in the biopic realm. Mm-hmm. A lot of it feels fictionalized because it starts off in this like class melodrama where he is stuck in the servant class in this like caste system where he is going to be a servant his whole life because that's what his father was and that's what his father's father was and so on. And he earns his way out of it doing this rap thing that no one else believes in. Once he starts succeeding towards the end of the movie, it breaks away from the, you know, class melodrama stuff and just sort of goes into like crowd pleasing wish fulfillment fantasy. But by the time I think you've spent two and a half hours with this guy and you see like the conditions he's coming from, you like really believe in a story. And once he starts succeeding, it feels so good. I don't like 8 Mile, which we will get into later, but I do respect that this rise to rap fame um, template is really satisfying on its, like, base level. Mm-hmm. I think the music in the movie is really good. Like, all these Indian rappers are great, and they feature a lot of local rappers on top of these movie stars participating. Yeah, I was a little skeptical going in, and I was pretty blown away by some of the rapping. Yeah. And that Gully Boy song is catchy as hell. It's like, oh shit, this movie is like two fucking hours long. And then you start, wa- like, I started watching it. And I was like, I kind of don't want it to end yet. Like, I got really wrapped into it. Yeah. Because you have all this time, this those two and a half hours, every side character gets like their full due and is like humanized. And that especially struck me with the women, which you don't get a lot of in these like, biopics about these like rapping guys who like earn their fame all the women have these like complex struggles that almost have nothing to do with gully boy it's like they have lives outside of whether or not he becomes famous um and i think they each get their full time including his mom and his girlfriend and uh, some of his collaborators are women and i just really thought that was striking and i thought the movie had a lot to say about like class and gender disparity uh and stuff like that on top of being this like underdog story um so what what did y'all think of gully boy in general i really liked it it kept me pulled in the entire time and i had no idea that there was a rap scene anywhere in india so i felt like kind of ignorant going into it but i feel like super educated on it now (laughs) um and there's like a lot of things dealing with like the, the traditions within like these different cultures in india that i didn't know about either and i think like the thing that freaked me out the most was um, the slum tours. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. And I Googled it after. And the the slum that he lives in is um, the Duravi Dura- slum. And yeah, there's like all kinds of agencies and shit 
um, that promote it and they show all these like people in the slums smiling and it's like we're trying to um, let everyone know that the slum life is inspiring and you can take something away from it like they basically like have them go on these tours and people are like oh yeah minimalism is where it's at. And it's so weird. It's so dehumanizing. A hundred percent. That was one of my favorite scenes where the guy is wearing one of the people on the tour is wearing a Nas shirt. <laughs> and then he like uh, Gully Boy quotes back like entire paragraphs and Nas lyrics. It's not even like he's like trying to remember it, like it's just coming out of his mouth. But like then that. the guy responds to it like he's a monkey that did a trick almost. Like he's oh, like wow. he's like, Oh, oh cool. you know that. That's great. So that was a little mind blowing. And yeah, like I, once this movie was finished with, I almost saw like a big theme of like tradition versus like progressive youth too, because you see a lot of like how these older generations like are very traditional and these like younger generations are kind of breaking away from that and doing their own thing. Yeah. They're like, the only way you will survive in this system is if you follow the rules and they're like, well, we don't want to participate in the system as it is. They fucking suck. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, um, how a parent tells a child, like I'm a servant, you're going to be a servant. That's how it is. Like not trying to be like, no, you can do this. And like, you know, I mean, his mother was more supportive for sure. Murad or, gully boy um but i thought that was just interesting even his like um his uncle was like just nobody was on his side like yeah his dad and his dad was just like a piece of crap oh totally i want to talk about that a little bit yeah his dad's definitely a monster for the first like hour and a half of this movie right right? domestic abuser but when he does come to his house and like tells him like you need to keep this job and forget the rap stuff I think at that point, it's like he does think he's doing the best by his son. He's wrong. Right. And the movie knows he's wrong, but. That was a big point of catharsis for me um, at the end when Gully Boy does finally make it. Uh, I was just like, oh, I need one scene where his dad like sees him being a big star. Otherwise, like this whole movie is not worth it for me. And like, I kept waiting for it. And then finally, at like the very end, right. they have his dad in the audience and he kind of acknowledges like, uh, I was wrong. That felt so good to me because the whole time they're just like, yeah, prove your dad wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. It was satisfying. <laughs> it was very satisfying. For sure. And for all like the ultra macho posturing, like his dad has like a tear, like a prideful tear watching his son in this moment. And like, he looks even more emotional and he's like not letting it out. And then right after that, Gully Boy goes back to the gully and sees like a mural of, um, the gully is the street that he's from. And he goes back and sees a mural of himself, like that these kids painted on the side of a wall mm-hmm. and he gets like emotional like choked up in the same way and i just like that the movie has like a vulnerability and like people are complex and they're not just like stereotypes so in that way quick question about dad and fam that i like i don't know if i missed it or not but he brought like a girlfriend into the home a second wife yeah. oh a second wife okay yeah. i didn't know so if it was okay is there not like a divorce System? No, his or he makes the choice, and he doesn't have to con- like have a conversation with his wife. Like I'm bringing a second wife in. He's just like, hey, I have another wife. I mean, he is the sole like provider for the house, and if she wants to continue to live in a place and not on the street, she has to sort of put just up like, with this he wants younger to. woman in her bed. Uh, yeah, that's a bad situation. Oh my god. Yeah, and I think the movie did not need to go into that. Like it added this whole other conflict about right. this forced polygamy, and and the mom gets her like full due. I and think. she has like no it just showed how trapped she was like yeah. okay you leave you don't even get to stay in like 
the fucking slums and then she goes to like her brother's house and her brother is like almost being like you shouldn't like you know not taking her side and like when your family kind of like turns their back on you and then you like have this abusive situation like there's like just no out it was really sad yeah and it did go into the arranged marriage thing too although i I will say that that was like kind of a silly little plot detour because she basically like Agrees to... And then she bullies his friend, yeah. Agrees to marry his friend as a way of getting Gully Boy to call her. That was a little ridiculous. I thought arranged marriages were like, oh, your family friend knows someone and they you guys meet. But it was almost like um, a casting call. Like, like a job interview. There were like photos and like profiles. Like Tinder or anything. Well, I think it's a, a business deal. Like it's these two families of the same class making sure that their kids like stay in, in their lane, you know. Yeah. And establishing a like financial mutually beneficial bond between the two families which is like a centuries old that's what marriage all marriage used to be at some point at least for people with land and money uh, yeah and yeah it's like a way of ensuring that wealth stays within the class system that it's already attributed to i I do want to push back i think it's Mm -hmm. fucked up like this the gully boy's girlfriend who he cheats on her and she decides to leave him or they break up over it i guess is the cleanest way to say it she is not a well-behaved character that just sort of waits for him to do things. In the movie, she throws punches. Breaks she, bottles over people's heads. Yeah. She wants I know to, I liked her character. And with the, the marriage thing, she uses this thing that her family is using to control her. Because all she wants to do is graduate from medical school. And her family wants her to get married and be a wife. Which is, there's a scene where she's just like begging... Her dad, like, I want to go to school. I want to study. Like, what parent could say no to that? Well, that's not her role. Her role is to be a wife. After she had that incident, though, where she goes to, like, jail, um, that's when they started pushing for it because they were like, wow, you're already embarrassed to shut of yourself, so you just better fucking get married so you're not more of an embarrassment. And it's like she lost, like, her education privileges because of that. It's crazy. And then you have these outsiders who come in, these, like, white people from mostly from London and from America who right. have money and don't respect these class lines and like look people in the eye uh, if they're below them in the caste system mm-hmm. because it's not how they their lives are structured. Mostly, I'm thinking of this one music producer who Gully Boy like cheats on his girlfriend with, and she just I, treats Mumbai like a sky. playground. And the movie doesn't let her off the hook okay. for it. I have to say that was my least favorite aspect of this movie and the my least favorite subplot. It felt totally unnecessary. Really? Like, yeah, because. Okay, I did like Gully Boy. I really did. My only real problem with this movie is Gully Boy himself never sees any repercussions from his actions. So he starts to get into petty crimes and he's like stealing cars and his buddy kind of takes the rap for him in the end. He doesn't really study for his exams, but he passes anyway. He... um, Pursues this rap thing, but he also gets a job. He quits the job. He gets, like, really famous. He cheats on his girlfriend. Girlfriend eventually takes him back. He has it so easy. And, th- and I under- That's fucked up to say. No, I understand he comes from, like, rags. Yeah. It's like a rags to riches. He's from an abusive family in a slum. He does like him himself, like... <laughs> like, he kind of lucked out a lot. When he lucks out a lot. What you're it's, it's a wish fulfillment thing. Yeah. For sure. Wish fulfillment to, like... I can cheat on my girlfriend with this hot chick from London and, like, get away with it. I can, like, not study for exams and I can pass and I can steal cars and not go to jail. 
It just sort of bothered me. I think there are consequences for these things. Okay. But I also think that we spend... If we're talking about like rags to riches, like wish fulfillment. In this case, we spend two hours in the rags, and we get a half an hour of the of the riches towards mm-hmm. the end. So everything does work out for him, but we spend so much time with him in squalor and like getting told that he needs to stay in his place, even when he is successful. Like with these like YouTube clips of him like filming these music videos, mm-hmm. and he's getting all these likes and he's getting this like street cred. Mm-hmm. People don't respect what he's accomplished, and he's being told that he's needs to like quit all this and it isn't until like the last half hour that things really ramp up and he breaks out of that box and it feels so good because he no it does it does feel good but if i'm comparing this to like the other movies we're going to talk about like you know eight mile and straight out of compton this one feels like it actually had the lowest stakes in a way you know straight out of compton it's like life or death like these guys could get like shot on the street and with this one like even though he is coming from poverty i didn't really feel like ultimately there were any stakes like if the rat thing doesn't work out like he'll just get a job from his uncle he has to but he, he threw the job away but it's really hard to get a job because they're making that a big deal too they were like you actually got a job like, this is your one shot like that was it like other than that like, he's probably gonna be unemployed i accidentally just quoted eminem <laughs> By mistake, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> let him take over you. <laughs> one of us, one of us. <laughs> but I get what James is saying too, because there was like a lot of times where I'm like, whoa, like he could have went to jail, but his friend went to jail. Instead. His friend's like, I'll take the rap for you. His girlfriend's like, oh, I know you cheated on me with this, but I'll take you. His friend says, I'll take the rap for you, but his friend is going to jail because he has less opportunities than him. Like his friend has nothing, and he's he's like, my life is worth shit. You need to break away from this. I was going to get caught no matter what. So it's not like the moment's completely just like letting him off the hook. He feels a lot of guilt over that. Right. He does because he was going to like go in and take the rap for him and his friend talked him out of it. His girlfriend dynamic changes completely after that. They were like they were like naive sweethearts until the cheating, and then their dynamic changes entirely. Did he sleep with the other girl, or did they just kiss? That's what I, because he said hooked up, but I don't know if that was like a translation thing. Because when I hear hooked up, I'm like, oh, you slept with someone. Not like you made out with someone for two seconds and you cut it off. I believe at the end she says, now I get to sleep with someone else. So I think the indication is that they did. I didn't care for that whole subplot. Like the movie's two and a half hours long. If you would have chopped out like the 15 minute subplot with Sky, the producer. That character pissed me off so much, especially. I think she's supposed to. When they were going around like spray painting over everything. I'm like, of course she's going to do it because nothing's going to happen to her. She has like nothing to lose. He could lose his whole livelihood. (laughs) He could go to jail forever. Right. So that was kind of like hard to watch. Just this like spoiled Berkeley brat. Coming in and like, I'm going to create art on the city. I think she's supposed to be kind of a naive joke. Like she is basically a worse version of those people who take the tour of the slums. Yeah. Or but she was or obviously like put in that story for like that one reason, because once they get back together, you don't see her right. until like one very brief scene towards the end. Like, But pay attention yeah. to where she's blocked in that scene. When he walks into the final concert, 
she is on this upper platform with like rich white people who are sort of visiting the city and they're above all of these Indian people who are in the crowd. So she's still in this like tower on high and all of her, and his like girlfriend sort of has to sneak in and sneak around her parents. So she's still living like shackled down. Yeah. It's the movie doesn't let anyone off the hook, even though it is a very satisfying crowd pleasing movie. One thing I will say that I really enjoyed and kind of all the movies we're going to talk about is the rap is like really the heart of all these films. And in this one, especially like the music video for Gully Boy and all the rap battles, like that drew me in. Anytime there was like actual rapping going on, I thought it was like amazing. And apparently that Gully main video, that like really slick one, is a recreation of the real video that Nazy and Divine got famous on YouTube with. Cool. So you can watch like a, a sort of real version cool. of it. What did you think of the music, Brittany? Um, it was super fast. It was more on the like the Eminem rap level because he's a very like quick mm-hmm. and like witty rapper. So I, I felt like that same. Brandon, don't talk shit about Eminem yet. Well, maybe <laughs> I can't see his face on the podcast. <laughs> he's already missing over But you know what I mean? How like. Some rappers are like, boom, dun, dun, dun. No, he's like, like that. Yeah, like, but instead of talking rapping. about killing women and beating up gay people, he's rapping about how he's poor and wants to not be poor anymore. It's kind of awesome. The, <laughs> the the lava of my words will melt my shackles and like lyrics like that. Like the, yeah. the lyrics of the songs are actually pretty hard hitting. He has Eminem speed, but like but something NWA to say. like <laughs> substance. Well, like, NWA like even more misogynistic. Yeah, misogynistic and gay people too. So for sure, that's tough. We're right. gonna get into there. Rap is very macho, <laughs> for sure. What well, one thing I don't know if this threw y'all off, but you know, rapping is so much about like you know rhyming, and so it was just interesting, like watching it on screen with the subtitles. You know, when you're reading the subtitles, obviously the words don't rhyme in uh, English, but they rhyme in. Yeah, there's some cognitive dissonance there. No, it was just it was just an interesting like. Um, reading the words and it's like rhyming but it's not rhyming in english so whenever like someone's listening to english rap they're like huh you know what i mean like yeah it was cool but our culture is globally exported which is why you have like nas and hip-hop and you know gta and dabbing in this movie and (laughs) also just english phrases are mixed in with the hindi one other thing i'll say about the rapping is i do think mc share was the better rapper in that battle dude like he tore that guy apart, and he should have went on to the finals. I love Gully Boy, but MC Cher, like, had he was still in a shitty situation, and he had, like, a very natural gift. I think the difference, and I think what makes Gully Boy popular on the scene, is MC Cher is doing this old-school hip-hop thing where all the lyrics are about how good MC Cher is at rapping. Oh, Whereas yeah. what Gully Boy is saying is, like, we're all fucked. The system is bad. Right. Uh, I right. need to use rap to break away from being a servant or else I'm going to be doing that for my whole life. And that's in his lyrics. And when he does that final battle and the reason he wins is it's the same exact payoff of 8 Mile where he's like, yeah, I'm a boring guy from the streets. I have nothing on me. I don't have... I can't afford the clothes that make me look like a cool hip-hop kid. But I'm speaking truth, and I'm putting it all out there. Like, it's embarrassing for me to be up here dressed like I just broke away from my office job because I did. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he has more to say than the other kids. But just for pure, like, flow. Yeah, I agree. When he just started, too, though. True. I don't know why we're even debating. Who cares? (laughs) 
what I've been <laughs> trying to point. figure out. Oh, yeah, is not the best rapper in the Billy Boys. So he wins a million rubles. Do y'all know how much money that is? No clue. Shit. I keep like forgetting to do the conversion thing. Because yeah. I'm like, one million rubles. He was like, holy shit. I'm like, but how much money does that like equal? I will say just one more you thing about mean? the music. Yeah. Uh, because we are kind of going long. Like in Bollywood movies, the sort of thing is that you get a little bit of everything. You get a little romance, you get a little danger, you get lots of music and music. You get like uh, <laughs> musical breaks with like dance uh-huh. breaks. And I thought just this hip hop music video interludes were a pretty natural fit. Like it's not jarring the way in there. And I like other Bollywood movies to be jarring. This to feel more like an Americanized version of a Bollywood film in some ways like its narrative was very straightforward in a way like some bollywood movies are just batshit crazy and all over the place this was pretty much like told a full art with these little musical and maybe that's where the nas production credit is coming in because he's taking these like american you know producer uh role on top of it i mean i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it it was a blast i really didn't even know india had this rap scene um they're very talented and uh and they like legitimately have um something to rap about <laughs> yeah it's just like sort of an even worse version of like whatever the hell's going on in the u.s you know what i mean yeah so, that's, i think that is kind of the appeal of rap and how it's kind of spread over the entire globe it's like people that don't have shit want to rap about their struggles and um kind of create this persona that can rise above their socioeconomic status like that's universal it's in india it's in compton like we'll talk about later and so it makes it a really powerful force so a lot of the reason we did this episode was because I can't shut up about Gully Boy. Right. That's uh, a big reason. <laughs> and uh, the other half of it, I think, is that Brittany likes 8 Mile. <laughs> and I was talking shit about it in comparison to Gully Boy. Yeah. What what is eight mile, Brittany? So eight mile is the is a biopic about um, rapper Eminem, right? It's inspired by the same way Gully Boy is inspired by. Right. Well, how, how much do you think is factually actually? I think a lot of it is. I mean, the Chantiki might not have been a real place, but um, I think it's accurate love to his. Um, it's like kind of like where he persona. came from and how he got to where he is, like just kind of like towards the beginning. Cause we don't really see him like, like in Gully Boy, Gully Boy becomes this huge star and we don't see that in Eight Mile. This is like rags to slightly better rags. Right. Just like on the top of the rags. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if that's a thing. Um, so basically we follow B-Rabbit, Bunny Rabbit, who is Eminem. And his name is Jimmy. So it's hard to, I don't know, like that would confuse me because I'm like, this is Marshall Mathers, Eminem. (laughs) But in this movie, it's Jimmy Smith, Bunny Rabbit. He's a very talented rapper and his friends are very like um, supportive of him and they want him to like blow everything out the water and show everyone how great he is. But he has like really bad anxiety. Stage fright, yeah. Yeah. In the beginning of the film, like there's a rap battle. And he like just chokes up and makes an ass out of himself in he front of like his mom's spaghetti on his sweatshirt. It's all mom's spaghetti. Moms are sweaty. 
that scene where he chokes up is really good. Oh, it's like all God. secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, it's so hard to watch. So hard during that. But um, so basically, Bunny or sorry, B Rabbit just is he just broke up with his girlfriend, and the girlfriend said she was pregnant, so he gives her his car, and he goes back to the trailer park on the other end of Eight Mile in Detroit, and goes to live with his mom, who is like Kim Basinger as like a hot mess. The way that in at least in Eminem's music, when he talks about his mother, like I think he was like going easy on her with this character. If this was supposed to be anything like his mom, because his mom had Munchausen syndrome and would like do all kinds of crazy shit to her kids. So they didn't really get into that. She was just like kind of drunk and didn't. Re- she and has put terrible men, taste in men. Yeah, yeah, just like put men over her children. Michael Shannon, not a stand-up guy in this movie. Not at all. He won't even go down on her. God and t- tells her kid that, which is wild. <laughs> So he's basically living in the trailer park, working at like a stamp factory where they like stamp metal pieces. It's a car factory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they don't st- make stamps. <laughs> it's an assembly line where he has a job to make this one. Well, it makes it sound like he works in the post office. Right. No, no. He's not the post office. He's, he's uh, working man. in a factory. But he is stamping this one piece of a car over and over and over again. And right. it's completely dissociated from the final product. His mom. Um, lets him have her car which doesn't work so he has like this car that constantly breaks down Um, and when he's not working he's um, trying to get a rap career started and he hangs out with a fun group of friends Um, there's one guy who I can't fucking remember his name but he hosts these um, rap battles and then there is Cheddar, who's, who's kind of a dumbass. He, yeah, I think he's like mentally ill. I think he's the comic relief in this movie. It's like Cheddar is stupid. Let's laugh at him. But he, I know, but it's like, oh, I feel I just felt bad for him the whole yeah. time. He, he's like very really nice and just like trying to fit in. Yeah, everyone's got that friend. Yes, it's um, me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, a couple other buddies, and yeah, and he just as he starts to get more into the rap game he becomes involved with that subculture in Detroit and it's wild. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much eight mile. Just his journey to like actually winning a rap battle. And the competing. success of the end is I won this rap battle. I got to go back to work. Exactly. Someone's working my shit for me for a couple and hours. I have to go relieve him. So it's not like gully boy where winning this rap battle is equals. I'm a worldwide superstar now. Right. It means I'm going back to work. So it's much grittier. Down I earth. love how like it's low the stakes are. <laughs> yeah, like seriously, like, it was more realistic than Gully like, Boy. The small little struggles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I want a rap battle like that. You feel like you're king of the world. Like it's something. But... Well, sort of paradoxically, it's more realistic in you know how it would usually work for someone winning. He gets over his stage fright and has right. a good night at this Detroit club, and that's the end of the movie. In real life, he did become the worldwide Gully Boy superstar. Right. Whereas these kids, uh, Nazi and Divine from um, from Mumbai, we, I, I've never heard of those people before no. this movie came out. It's an interesting choice, and I feel like it's kind of trying to build Eminem's mythology. Yes. Yeah. It's a PR film. It's like, um, I'm the everyman, even though I've made it as a rap superstar. Like, it, I'm not really right. a rap superstar. I'm still like that guy in the trailer park. The one guy from this black hip hop scene happened to be the one that made it out. And yet, this movie's here to develop his street cred. Which he has. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, but I like that about it. I like that the stakes are low. And I also like, one thing I like about this movie too is like how gritty and ugly it is and like makes Detroit seem like an utter hellscape. 
um, just like an awful place to right. live. Like, they like, focus on all these like abandoned buildings and yeah, factories. It's not pretty it, in any way. Like yeah, even like the way it's shot. Like in Gully Boy, even though we're in the like slums of Mumbai, it's shot in a very lovely kind of way. In uh-huh. this movie, it's like grainy and ugly, and it's got like an early digital kind of look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of like that. I kind of like how ugly it is. I, I like that too, honestly. Like the sort of early digi patina to it, like. It's a nasty little movie in that way. I, I liked how it wasn't. It didn't feel like a lot of these biopics are like a vanity project in a way. Oh, Brandon! That is so wrong. Well, I feel like this is I a didn't... reverse vanity project. It's yeah. a street cred building mythology project. Yeah. It, it's vanity in the opposite way. Where it's like, forget the fact that I'm a millionaire. I'm actually this guy from the trailer But I park. almost saw it as like him showing how his like community helped him get where he was. Like it wasn't just him. Because if he didn't have his, you know, his friends, he what wouldn't have done anything. What was the um, D12? Yeah. It's like group that he yeah. kind of came up with. Like he brought them up mm-hmm. with him. Yep. So, I mean, he obviously like. They have that song Purple Pills. Purple, which is a great song. Love that song. But he obviously, like, appreciates where he comes from. And, like, right. So I kind of, I saw it as, like, more of that, of him being, like, let me, like, give you guys a taste of my backstory and, like, lift up these people and just show you guys, like, I'm not, like, it wasn't just me. Like, a lot of people had to go into it between even the man who, who took his shift for him. I have a that, lot of thoughts on that, that character. character, like, if he wasn't there, then none of that would have happened. Yeah, I feel like if you're not an Eminem fan... Going into this movie, you're gonna have a more cynical like Brandon. Yeah, Brandon. you're gonna have a more cynical <laughs> reaction to some of this like mythos yeah. building. I have a lot of thoughts on that guy in particular and how that is like a sort of revisionist version of who Eminem is as well. The guy who takes over his shift at the car factory is the only openly gay man working that line, and other people yeah. bully him. And Eminem stands up for this guy. In a impromptu rap battle at the work, lunch truck. Uh, with Exhibit, uh, puts him down. So he's rapping against Exhibit, and it's played like Eminem is standing up for this gay man by using all these like homophobic slurs in the rap battle to put Exhibit down. It's like, yeah, he's gay, but you're the f word here. It's so mm-hmm. fucking disingenuous to me because Eminem is a misogynistic, homophobic asshole. And to put it in these terms where it's like, actually, he's just speaking the language he knows. He's actually a good guy and stands up for people. It's like, that's not really how it plays when this millionaire's music that is spread out around the world and encourages other kids to bully kids on playgrounds and get beat up for being gay. That's not how this actually plays out. And it's like making him a good person through this lie. And there is a vanity to that. It's PR. I hate to pull this card, but like, isn't also like art supposed to make you uncomfortable and it's supposed to be complex like it can be both he can like maybe have some like feelings he's wrestling with of like being misogynistic or homophobic but also like wrestling with that and like trying to grow while also like recognizing like this is where i come from this is what i was the movie has no interest in examining his character as a person it's about him getting over his stage fright Mm -hmm. but he has no personal faults of the movie interrogates other than that he's poor and that's it. Other people in the movie voice these like, you know, isn't it fucked up the Detroit's this way? And he's like, all y'all do is ever talk about it. 
But all he ever talks about is how great he is. And the movie is ultimately celebratory of him and his persona. One thing that really stood out to me was when him and his friends are around and uh, on this joyride in his shitty car and they're shooting paintball paintball guns. And he shoots a cop car with this paintball gun where he's the only white person in this car full of black people. And it's like this very adolescent, juvenile, middle finger to the world like anarchy forever kind of thing where it's like the consequences of your stupid actions right now are really harsh. Like a lot of people could have died in that car because you want to be this performative brat. And then the scene ends with them all laughing because they got away with it. Like they're scared for a moment that the cops can retaliate, but it's like, Oh, it just laughs. And I think the movie has a celebratory look at how he like gives a middle finger to the world. And he's actually like the most privileged person on this scene, even though he, his life does suck. Yeah. I mean, to say that he's privileged relatively, he's poor in an abusive family. Yeah. I don't really buy the privilege thing just because he's white. I mean, I think that, it's not a mistake that he's the one person from that scene that got out. Do you think he's the only talented rapper in that Detroit nightclub? I, I think mean, he's the novelty like, act. His style is different though. Like if you listen to his style of rap, like it's very like poetic where in that time period, there wasn't a lot of people like him that rapped like him in the style that he did. So he was a little different and he's very smart, quippy and witty with his lyrics and his comeback. He's funny. He has right, good jokes. and that's his brand. So if we're getting into like, is Eminem a good rapper debate, which is pretty much what this is. He's like, just not a role model. He can fire and he knows syllables. he's not a role model. Like a lot mm. of his music, I mean, at that time in that moment, that's where he is in his life and he's rapping about it and being genuine and like, this is how I feel. I, I can't read this movie in any other way than ultimately it's just being about how cool he is though. Yeah. I, I didn't see it that way. Yeah, like talking about like, you know, him and his D12 posse. Yeah. Whatever. He is the most talented rapper in that group. And that's the people he grew up with in Detroit. Mm-hmm. He is the most talented rapper objective. Like, yeah. His, among his friend group. And I think that these guys in D12, like, they were just as good a rapper as him, but he was the white. I'm not talking about his friend group and his group. He is the most talented person, but in that Detroit nightclub where he, you know, finally gets up the guts to, I don't think he was the only rapper in there who could have made it. You know, I think, I think it helped that he was like a white guy. There's a novelty. Exactly. There's always been a novelty Mm -hmm. in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there are only a few that have ever made it to that level. Like, I, I mean, basically him, Vanilla Ice, and the Beastie Boys. I can't really name that many others. And I don't even, like, consider him being, like, Vanilla Ice or the... Like, I don't even put him slightly in that category of being, I mean, like, Vanilla Ice and the Beastie Boys. in terms of, like, Boys. record sales? Or? Just his... St- like, his music's nothing like that. No, but, okay, I'm not debating whether or not he's talented in the right. fact that he can string a long syllable of words together. That's, that's whatever. Right. But there's a... I mean, just on a subjective level, I don't like the sound of his voice. Uh, okay. But also... <laughs> and you don't like the look of his face. I don't like looking at him, because I hate I what think he that is. He is very competent in this movie, by the way. As far as acting... He's fine. To have a like rapper come in and like be the star of a picture, like, he holds it together pretty well. But, but rap is a lot like drag and like wrestling, in that what you are doing is amplifying your persona and who you are to this like bigger almost superhero level quality. And I think who he is, is so toxic and unworthy of attention or conversation that the fact that he is so successful is like infuriating. His lyrics are largely about hurting women and about hating gay people and about how cool, not how cool he is, but like 
It's just got this like shithead attitude that I find obnoxious and just not fun to listen to. But see, yeah, I think the thing is like that's getting in the way. We're supposed to just be talking about the movie, uh-huh. Eight Mile, but it's not just about the movie. It's about Eminem. So if you well, don't, you do have to look at him a lot, right? So if you don't like Eminem as a person, you can't really like take him out of that and like watch the movie for what it is but the movie what it is is a pr thing for eminem no but just just as a movie you don't know anything about eminem just like as a movie he's this white rapper detroit he wins this rap battle it is a well-made it's fine it's okay (laughs) it's got two well-made what what are the two good scenes okay first of all throughout the entirety of this movie britney murphy has less to do than the women in Gully Boy had to do in the first five minutes of Gully Boy. <laughs> the, she has nothing to do in this film, except, and I do love Brittany Murphy so much, but except after he wins this rap battle against Exhibit, where he comes off as like the defender of all gay people forever, they have a silent, quiet sex scene in the car factory, and that scene is really good. Uh-huh. It's this very it's good quiet, intimate moment. I do kind of hate where it's positioned in the film, because, and then this might be some galaxy brain bullshit, but <laughs> this comes right after he defends this gay guy and is like using these homophobic slurs to defend him against Exhibit. And then immediately, no break, jump right into him having sex with a woman to like prove that he's not gay himself. Like it's like the way oh, it's like jammed on there, like I that. found very dumb. But I do think the scene is very good in isolation. Also, the final battle, it's the same thing from Gully Boy where he's kind of like hit his end moment where he's finally gotten over his stage fright and his opponent in the rap battle basically calls him out for being a white boy who has no place in the scene and shouldn't be there Mm -hmm. and is a piece of shit and lives in a trailer park. And his comeback is like, yeah, that's who I am. That's all of it. And he puts it all out there and is like, yeah, he admits all these like faults that he has Mm -hmm. and like why he doesn't belong. And then he calls out the other guy for being a poser who is, you know, funded by his parents and basically is like still living at home and right. has more money than him. Like, it's not that he's a better rapper. It's that he's like more privileged. Right. I thought that was a you know satisfying conclusion. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else in this movie. That's particularly interesting but okay. besides those two scenes. So am I crazy? Maybe. I no, don't know. No, I mean, it's, you're entitled to your opinion. I there's, just, there's a political element here. That's like, I'm just gonna say like there are some, like he knows he's a p- piece of shit and says he's a piece of shit. For the most part, Eminem in general. But there are some songs that, like, uh, you know, like that really do get me sometimes when I listen to it, where it's like when you feel, you know, this rage and you feel like, you know, the whole world's against you and life's fucking shitting on you, where like it really like resonates. So, like, I like his music in that way. But yeah, like, I don't, he's had some progression as time has gone by. It's not like phenomenal in any way, but he's not. I don't know. Like part of me feels like in that time period when you grew up in those certain situations, like I had friends and family from trailer parks and those terms were used frequently and they didn't have the same meaning as they do today. Like now it's like we're progressing as a society. And when we hear these terms, like the effort and things like that, like we know that it's wrong and it's horrible. I remember it being wrong when he like rapped with Elton John. It's like, Oh man, maybe he's finally gotten over it. And then like a week later, he's like, I wouldn't have done that if I knew he was gay. 
And that was a while ago, and that was yeah. fucking stupid. It's dumb. And no, he was totally. a millionaire at the time. But just, like, as for movie-wise, like, when he was, like, using, like, homophobic slurs, how can I explain? Like, it's shitty, 100%. It's 100% wrong. It's yeah. stupid. But, like, during that, like, time period, like, I just remember everyone saying that, and, like, I never, I just looked at it as saying, like, bitch or something like that. It doesn't hold the same meaning if that's what I'm trying to I don't know what I'm trying to say but I remember it just being so frequently used and it wasn't used like to put down like gay people in that right. sense it was just it's we it's just weird I went to like an all boys I mean, I'm white trash I'm from, <laughs> not as much as Eminem I'm from the parish like yeah <laughs> I'm not Eminem white trash but they call each other that it's like yeah, it's basically like saying you're a bitch or whatever. And it wasn't right. like necessarily like you hate gay people. It's just the word you use. It's not cool. But right. the thing fueling that is pop culture saying it's okay. Right. But here's here's my thing is like, you know, we're supposed to be talking about just the art itself, the right. film itself, and not the politics behind it. Politics is in part of every. But like, piece of art. don't you just see it like at this time in his life, this is like exactly the human being that he was. Be it good, bad, horrible, this is it. I just don't like judging a piece of art based on like the artists themselves. Oh, they were shitty and this and that. Yeah. Like, just take the music or the film for what it was. Like, I that's something I don't like about what's going on in modern. All art is political. Period. Sorry. <laughs> So it's like, even though this is like a well-made movie that has a good story arc and has like decent performances, like we hate it because... No, it's a competently made, okay movie that is only made in service to celebrate this person who is not that interesting and is horrible. So there's not that much for me to to rap, grasp on here, except the fact that there are two character actors I like in it who don't get much to do. But it's just funny, like, you're so high on Gully Boy. Oh, Gully Boy, it's so great. It's telling the exact same fucking story as 8 Mile. Except that exact same, but uh, Buddy India. Rabbit doesn't have to write his songs. Yeah. <laughs> and memorize them. But it, like, takes place in India, and that's cool. Like, But if it's a white guy in a trailer park, that's not cool anymore. We don't... Care about. Is you that think what maybe I'm kind of i don't think so you think it's because we relate to it more like being like in our country we see like you know like white trailer park folk as being like y'all are talking about like i'm like a rich white kid i'm from like the parish <laughs> I, I lived in like a shitty place well, and i was surrounded by the same stuff i just don't think i need <laughs> art to reinforce it and i don't think that is present in gully boy mm -hmm. and his actual art his lyrics are about financial inequality in, in, in Eight yeah. Mile, all he does is make fun of his friends for caring about that stuff. I mean, it's obviously affecting his life and yeah. it's affecting his his chances of getting out of it. But he like mocks people for talking about it, and his reactions to things are coming from this very base, like gross thing. And I don't think the movie interrogates him or holds him up to any standards for that. Yeah, if the movie was interested in digging into the politics more i would be more interested in it i don't think it has much going on at all besides the rise to fame story for this person who actually did succeed so at this point yeah he did come from those beginnings but it's also like a millionaire dressing up like he's poor still and performing this like street cred and it's not that interesting that's fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I'm just like curious because like I don't know that much about the rappers from India, like Divine or what's the other rapper's name? Maisie. Like N -A -E -Z -Y. if, like if some of their music is 
homophobic Maybe. or something. I, you know what I mean? But like going into it and not knowing that and watching it, like if I were to like know about them before seeing this movie, like I could see how that would impact. Yeah. And I think it, the funny thing is that we're about to talk about another movie that is like the biggest vanity project about people <laughs> who are homophobic and misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. That's so, yeah, I'm an asshole and I'm like a hypocrite. But see, I'm a hypocrite too because we're getting into this and I loved Straight Out of Compton. Yeah. Which we're about to talk about. And that's about NWA. Right. And it is produced by members of NWA. And they controlled their story and cut out the parts where they were um, beating women. Yeah. And they left some of the homophobic Even though they did it in lyrics. real life. Yeah. yeah they just and didn't they, put it in the film. And they paved over it. Yeah. But I think part of the difference is both of those things are like popular art. And the Eminem movie does not feel... I'm not saying it's better to pave over it, but I think it's better to, if you're going to bring it up, engage with it. Yeah. And like talk about it. And like at least reference the fact that it's like a heavy subject. And <laughs> it's not commented on in any way. Yeah. And... All do the you, movie does is celebrate him by the end. Do you think that if that if Eight Mile were to come out in the well, I mean, Straight Outta Compton's a current film, right? Or it's a modern time film. Yeah, Eight Mile isn't. This came out before a lot of progression occurred in pop culture. So I wonder if like that movie were to be made, yeah, kind I of think now, it would it would, it would have been a lot different. I think. And I think the way it does address it is that it has him standing up for this gay man who's being bullied. So its way of addressing it is to make him look like a good guy who just has the wrong vocabulary, which I don't think is yeah, what was going on. I just think on. I think it would have been done differently if it were to come out like the same year as Shadow Compton, and vice versa. If Shadow Compton were to come out in that time, it would have been very. It is a product aggressive. of its time. Yeah, when sure. you look at yeah, exactly. That's all I'm trying to say is like I think that time timing has a lot to do with it. And there's some party scenes in particular in Shadow of the Compton that are still misogynistic, even though that movie came out pretty oh, I didn't care about those. I just care about the dog stuff. Let's oh get to yeah, that. that too. It's hard. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So Shred Out of Compton came out in 2015. I saw it in the movie theater and I loved it. It is a revisionist, unreal version of what happened to these people, <laughs> but it's the same sort of rise to rap fame. Like, uh-huh. you know, Dre, Ice Cube, Easy e Yellow, Ren, all your favorites are here. <laughs> they the start. Tupac <laughs> makes an appearance. <laughs> oh yeah, we can get it. Dog. And Shug Knight. Shug Knight, <laughs> who um, is in jail still for, for murdering someone on the set. On the set. Which like people who I think Kanye is it Kanye West that's trying to like promote having him pardoned or something uh, like some crazy shit's insane. happening, and I'm like yeah. that guy's a fucking murderer. <laughs> no, I love that Shug Knight showed up to the set to be like, why are y'all portraying me as this like bloodthirsty thug and then he murdered someone <laughs> on the set yeah like a burger king <laughs> yeah god yeah so this movie is the same level of pr bullshit as eight mile i'll give you that yeah the difference i think is it looks really good yeah it's shot by matthew libatique who shoots all of aronofsky's films like mother and you know it's also directed by what f gary gray who is very stylistic yeah uh, he's done some really good stuff in the past too also the music is just so fucking good and i remember seeing this in a movie theater in particular i gave it like a really like strong review that year because just the booming sound of the music hearing that in surround sound uh was really big for me because i was a huge fan of nwa in high school but around the time i discovered punk i was like oh fuck the police and gangsta gangster like these songs are punk it's just a different form of it which i didn't really know that hip-hop had those like anti-authority 
things mixed in because before right. then I mostly saw like pop radio stuff was you know it was it was more about accumulation of wealth and less about like anti-establishment stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Mixed in there is just as much homophobic and misogynistic stuff as Eminem. Uh-huh. I just think the music's better. Yeah. Uh, seeing it <laughs> on the big screen, what I think is interesting about this movie and how it affects me is it must be how a superhero fan, like an MCU fan, who recognizes that Disney's monopoly is bad, feels like watching like a Marvel film. Because I'm watching this bullshit thing that is bad on a moral level but I'm such a nerd about the uh, people involved and the events that every tiny, like, minute shout out to something that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, like, <laughs> it felt like it was just playing into things I care about. But it gets so detailed. Like, you were saying, like, there's a there's a really good Tupac lookalike halfway into yeah. the film. Looks just like him. The guy from Sorry to Bother You uh, plays Snoop Dogg. It does not look like him at all. <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield. I don't know. I couldn't remember his name a second ago. It gets so minute that by the end credits, there's a role where they're showing like Eminem being signed by Dre and like Dre getting like Beats headphones off the ground. (laughs) Those are shitty headphones. I'm not going to pay over $10 for a pair of headphones ever. But it did make him the first black billionaire, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Considering where he starts from in the movie. Yeah. And the movie does have the same gully boy and eight mile trajectory where these people coming from nothing in Compton put together these really good records and then Mm -hmm. earn this like millionaire status. It's a little different because you have the rags to riches in the first hour. Yeah. And then the second second half or the next hour and a half is like kind of the fallout and how money gets in the way and business turns people against each other and so it it kind of moves beyond anything you see in Gully Boy or I liked that a lot I liked it that was like intriguing that felt very truthful like you know when you see like money fucking terrorizes people so I like how it went to that point and didn't stop. The whole movie sort of felt though like a Wikipedia of NWA and it kind of just matched up with the beats yeah. of the story and it's like, oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. I felt like a comic book nerd. Like, like it's super oh, I remember exact. that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that diss track when they were feuding. Right, exactly. But yeah, I, the music is just like the best. I mean, like as far as the movies, I, I like Gully Boy and all that, but like NWA was some real like hardcore gangster shit it's super offensive and it's so well produced and just sounds cool and it's angry and like i kind of wish like i didn't hear anything in wa until i was like in college because like the only access i had was like casa (laughs) and limewire and like what my friends had and was on the radio so that didn't involve any nwa but yeah I think I would have like definitely taken more into it if I was young and angsty. Yeah, when I was angry, oh high my school god, shit I would love it. I was it. really yeah. into it. Yeah, I mean, I love it now, but I would have loved it a lot. But it's funny, <laughs> like you're talking about kind of revisionist history, and you know, Dr. Dre was a producer on this film, and they obviously pave over his history of like domestic abuse. Didn't he produce Eminem's album? Yes. Eminem. Yeah. But he is kind of the hero. Of this story. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing I was really conflicted about. Because on the one hand, I know he was kind of a shitty person. But also, he did produce, like, the biggest rap records of the 90s. Like, he's a big deal. And so the movie kind of makes him the hero that yeah. he sh- really should be from a music production standpoint. On a human level, like, probably not a good guy. Someone like Ice Cube, I feel like he's an actual good person that is also very creative. Yeah. I kind of like that it just made them all heroes, even though they are very complicated 
people and it delved into it a little bit without like you know you talked about it gets into the minutia of their story but not the minutia of their personal characters which you know some people might find fault with that i think there is one revealing impulse in the movie that he shows more than you would expect because i feel i do feel like dre and ice cube had a lot to say about what story was told here and yeah they pave over a lot of their faults but it feels like they feel really guilty about abandoning Easy E yeah. and not having time to reconcile with him. And it almost felt like they yeah. were like, like by recreating this scene where like the characters look so much like them. I mean, Ice Cube's kid plays him in the movie, mm-hmm. but the casting is so exact. And it feels like them revisiting this like past pain. It was like part of their healing process yeah. or something. Yeah, it's it like felt therapy. very personal. Yeah. From what I read, they did visit Easy in the hospital, like you know, when he was dying of AIDS. They didn't go to his funeral, not as like a slight, but they just didn't want to see him like that. It, the movie makes it seem like they kind of totally rekindled their relationship at the end. But from what I've read. It was way more tense yeah. than that. And it, it does seem like them trying to rewrite history and be like, no, he was always my... Well, I think there's two ways to read that. I think they... In every other instance, I totally agree that they're making themselves look like the good guy. But I, for some reason, there's something about that relationship with him that they like... The way the movie's structured and you see Paul Giamatti come in as this like record executive that wedges them... What a, all, what a creep. Paul Giamatti, I was like, what are you doing in this movie? <laughs> oh, man. One of the great joys in this film is when Paul Giamatti raps along to the lyrics while the band's performing. <laughs> so good. But there's something about them feeling guilt about them letting money and this producer get in their way of having like a good friendship yeah. Maybe it's all bullshit. Maybe they hate each other from the start. I don't know. But it just felt like there was this like guilt behind right. the storytelling. I mean, they're in a comfortable part of their life right now where they, I think when you have kids and you saw your own family, you change. And I think like, you know, I think they they probably aren't the same people. A hundred percent the same people. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how I looked at it where I'm like, you know, I, I thought it was authentic. Yeah, and I, I like too that how they really portrayed Easy e like, after Dre went on and he did the chronic and Ice Cube was doing Friday and like everyone else in the group was blowing up and Easy was kind of left behind. Yeah. And he had to like downgrade his house. It did feel like they were kind of guilty about that, that they had left their friend behind and not took him along for the ride because of money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no matter how much other stuff they let themselves off the hook for, it seems like they, I don't know, they're revisiting something they felt like they did wrong. But... I mean, there's other things they overlook. Uh, it, like I was saying earlier in the party scenes, they treat women like objects and sort of throw them around. Right. And the movie's yeah. celebrating that and making it look cool. It's not. I, I mean, gross. I guess, but I, it just feels like it's being. It's real. like every rap video. Yeah. yeah, it just feels real, like what actually happened. Yeah. Like, they probably were objectifying. A hundred percent. For sure. But it's the same thing as. Like, he constantly talks about how much pussy he's getting, and then, you know, he gets the AIDS diagnosis. Um, but it's the same thing as uh, 8 Mile where, like, you can bring those things up and interrogate them and deal with it without just wholly celebrating it and showing it as, like, a cool thing. Yeah. Where you're, like, encouraging other people to literally toss women across the room so you can grab your Uzi and pick up that, like, exchanging one object for Well, that, that scene in the hotel where he, he literally says, bye, Felicia. Yeah, it's a big setup for that joke. Yeah, it's just set up for kind of a gross joke. I didn't really like that there are a lot of moments like that for me like um, i more so like all of the the pitbull 
And I understand, and I've had arguments with a lot of people about this kind of stuff because I like I'm a huge like pit bull advocate, and like everyone's like, oh, it's part of your culture where this is just what we do, you dogfight, and I'm like, you fucking know better. Like, I'm sorry. That's Suge Knight's deal on the movie, right? Yeah. In the beginning, I kind of, like, sense that, where you have, like, a dog specifically to, like, guard your, like, drugs and your home and things like that, and, you know, you you cut their ears to make them look tough, and I don't know. I mean, it's realistic. That's what was happening. It's just really sad to see it. But Suge Knight's doing that for fun at a certain point. Because he's, he's fucking crazy. Because he's, <laughs> he's a bad dude. But apparently that whole dog scene, it was in like Suge Knight universe where they were using a dog to like, um, like basically like terrorize that guy in his underwear. Like yeah. that really happened. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. All those little um, scenes definitely feel like it's real like that's what actually yeah the, like the scene to an ice cube like breaking shit in his um that record exec's office like they wouldn't have put that in the movie if it didn't actually happen because what's the upside right you know as far as like should knight i thought he was really interesting character to have in this movie because you know, the whole time nwa is like kind of glamorizing the street life but they become successful because they glamorize it and they capitalize on it. But their business is solid. Yeah. And then Suge Knight gets involved and he's bringing this thug life into the business and like actually beating people with guns and like terrorizing people with dogs and like putting the gun to someone's head to say, sign this contract. Yeah. That to me is like the more, I guess, like Shakespearean thing where it's like tragic. It's like you made all your money by kind of pretending to be yeah. gangsters. Especially from Ice Cube's perspective. Yeah, Ice Cube. And they, I'm glad that they showed, like, he, he like, went to a good school. Dre wasn't involved, really, in um, drugs. He was a record a crate nerd. Yeah, right? he was yeah. a nerd. And, like, Eazy-E was the real gangster right. of the group. And then, like, Suge Knight gets involved, and he's bringing these real gangster elements into the group. And I love that scene where Dre kind of puts his foot down. Like, no, man, this, like, this is not what we're about. That was cool, too, seeing, because I didn't know, like, any of their backgrounds. I just thought they were all, like, super, like, you know, you know, very street. And they, I was surprised that, like, majority of them weren't. They actually, like, came from good homes and had good education and everything. And I think that that's awesome. You know, I think they are all very intelligent regardless. But they also went through the same shit as far as, like, the police situation yeah, goes. Yeah. Um, so I think that in itself was like enough. Yeah, the police only care that you're black. They don't care how good right. your home life is. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Uh, a lot of their lyrics are about that. Like uh -huh. all they see is that I'm black. They think every black person on the street is selling drugs. True. And they think that is an yeah. open invitation to harass me for walking down like, the street. Like regardless of what your background is or what you're doing. Yeah. And it's very much like Gully Boy. They're being policed for being in the wrong neighborhood or Just having the, the wrong <laughs> attitude. Right. Looking people in the eye when they shouldn't dare. Yeah. No, totally. And it's so crazy. I'm like, oh, this shit still happens so much today. <laughs> and I think it's worth noting that this movie is almost the same length as Gully Boy. Like this movie is so long. It is long. And it's got like a Bollywood level like sprawling narrative where it can get into all these like minute details that like like you said, it's like listing off a Wikipedia article, mm -hmm. but also attack, uh, not attacking, but addressing this larger milieu of like what the LAPD was doing and like the, uh, mm -hmm. the gang wars and like, the Rodney King riots. Rodney King riot, it gets into mm -hmm. like the Watts riot. It gets into like the HIV thing, Reagan drug policies, like crack. Right. It's sprawling and it's sprawling in like the intimate stuff too. Like we said, 
like really getting into the personal conflicts and everything. I don't know. It's successful in the sense like it's trying to do a lot and address all the stuff. And honestly, like it does it very well. It's very well done. And the acting is great too. Some self-serving mythologizing and some like unchecked misogyny. And that's about yeah. it for me. Like that's what I, that's the two things I'm like. I am like, that's going to happen in these kind of movies. And I think that's part of what you were saying earlier about like separate the politics from the art. I think this is better art than Eight Mile. I get it. I, I it understand looks and what sounds you're saying. More pleasant. Not that that's necessary in art. Like Eight Mile is like more like indie gritty kind of, and this is very like stylistic. And I also just think this has more to say. Yeah, I don't, it's I don't got think a Mile has more much... intense plot where it's what is thematically explored in Eight Mile versus like how much Gully Boy and straight out of Compton are, are ambitious in these like topics where they're talking about like class differences and yeah. police. I guess and- it would have been cool if eight mile would have explored more of like the issue in Detroit, how like everyone's losing their jobs and like how it got to the point of like having all these abandoned buildings. Yeah. It kind of touches on more that. of the struggle. I see. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, I think that would have been cool. I think that that's fair, but also that's kind of why I still like eight mile. I like that. It's not trying to explore some huge, political topics it's like a very like small story it's poor and then he like wins a rap battle and he's still poor i kind of like that it's like subdued i think what it does instead is it's a muted character study yeah it's studying a character that i don't find that interesting (laughs) (laughs) so much of eight mile is wrapped up in this one person's persona Uh to the detriment of other characters like that, that throwaway thing I was saying about the women in Gully Boy getting more to do in the first five minutes right. than the entirety of Eight Mile. I don't think that's that far off. Like I don't think anyone in Eight Mile is doing anything interesting unless it relates directly to Eminem's story. Yeah, and I just don't think that his persona is worth this much attention. I will say that something I wanted, I want more in Eight Mile is more of like the backstory with Janine, how she kind of shows up just a couple of times. She's just kind of sprinkled in a few scenes and you never really get, like, I think we're supposed to assume that this is like his Kim and the relationship he had with Kim, but that's assuming that the audience is going in knowing that other than that, like if you don't know like that part of Eminem, then it's kind of like, oh, like, why is your girlfriend even in a scene? Because you don't really talk to her and she has nothing to do with this. And it makes him look better than he was because in real life he has these, like, really violent impulses right. towards what he wants to do for her. Puts her in the trunk. And they have a daughter together yeah. that in this movie is like, oh, no, actually his mom's the irresponsible one. I feel like if the movie was to be more critical yeah. of him, it would be his kid that his mom's taking care of and he's still mean to his mom because he's a brat. But the, the movie doesn't really interrogate his faults in any way, I don't think. Besides the fact that he's not confident, which is not that interesting. The world of hip-hop is built on misogyny and aggression against women and homosexuals, which sucks. It That's like, suck. it's built on that. Yeah. Has it changed? Like, some sex, yes. Parts of it. So it's Kings like... Tequila is making records. I don't think that would have happened 20 years ago. Exactly. So it's, Frida, it's cool know. to see, like... This, these are sort of like, you know, the foundations of like modern day hip hop and like how it's gotten better, <laughs> you know? That's the one thing I wish that Straight Eye Compton would have explored more is like how they kind of capitalized and made a shit ton of money off of kind of glamorizing the street life while not really doing much to like... For the community. For the community yeah. to... 
are like that kind of hypocrisy, like exploring that. And they live in these mansions. And yeah, in these mansions, like, like yeah. as soon as they make money, they move away from the ghetto. That's why I liked Gully Boy too, because like he goes back and isn't like showing off. But okay, so in Straight Outta Compton, they voice the discontent with the abusive LAPD mm-hmm. that eventually leads to the uh, Rodney King riots. Yeah. By the time the riots hit, they're already millionaires. And the movie doesn't like let them off the hook for that. It gives them both credit for like voicing this stuff before it bubbled to the surface. And it also like shows that like they were so unaffected by that, by that time. And they were having these money squabbles on the side. I think what's more interesting about this movie, you were talking about like, what's the difference between this and eight mile and propping these people up. I think the difference is that in Straight Outta Compton, it's not only interested in them as people. Uh-huh. It's interested in the world around them. Yeah. yeah. In Eight Mile, it's only interested in Bunny Rabbit as a person. <laughs> that's, no, that's, I can't argue Be rabbit. that. I'd say Gully Boy is the same way. I don't think it's just about Gully Boy. He's a handsome Indian actor. He looks, re- he looks like Superman. He's beautiful. Uh, beautiful yeah. man. And I think if the movie was just about how cool he was, I wouldn't have been as like, I wouldn't have made y'all watch it. I probably still would have liked it. But But it brings like more issues surrounding Gully Boy's like situation. Yeah, totally. Do y'all have like a, you know, ranking of how much you like these movies, like in order? I think mine's pretty clear. Yeah. (laughs) I love Gully Boy. I know. (laughs) My favorite was straight out of Compton. Amazing. And then... Honestly, Gully Boy and A Mile, I kind of put on similar. They're very similar movies in some ways. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did not, really didn't hate A Mile. I liked how small the story was. It's like a very personal thing. And again, like I know Eminem's kind of view, it's not popular, it's not cool. Right. But it's like a movie, like I thought it was, honestly thought it was well made. And I really like Gully Boy too, but like I talked about before, I had some problems with its narrative. So for me, straight out of Compton, I give that like very high praise. Gully Boy and Ama, I really liked him too, honestly. What about you, Brittany? So for number one, definitely like kind of like how James has a tie between Gully Boy and Eight Mile. Like I I think I like Eight Mile so much because I was really into Eminem when the movie came out and I saw it as like, oh wow, he was like a piece of garbage and now he's not and he like worked for it and it fucking happened. And I, I saw it through like that lens where of course there's more shit that goes into it. But Gully Boy was so like phenomenal. It was such a good movie. Um, and I think I like Straight Out of Compton, but... I'm glad, like, I like it, but I won't watch it again or anything. Like, I might watch Gully Boy again. Which movie had the it. best music? Um, <sighs> Straight Outta Compton. Straight Outta Compton had good music. <laughs> if they barely played in any songs in 8 Mile. Like, I wish there would have yeah, been, like, more music. Eight mile. They just played Lose Yourself <sighs> over and over again. Yeah. yeah. yeah more of his music. Right. That is a big... Like, uh, maybe... What if it was, like, more musically? Like, whenever... You know, he's having those issues with his mom. He'll, like, do cleaning out my closet to himself as he's, like, walking. Or Yeah. Yeah. There's just, like, not a lot of music. And the music in Gully Boy was really good, too. I like the Gully Boy oh, music. Oh, yeah, it's great. But it didn't quite affect me in the same way that hearing N.W.A., you know, in a theater, the police, a straight out of Compton, like hearing that bass. In a theater, that bass was, like, music. skeleton rattling. It was so loud. It was Ooh, cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, and I also like watching it now, like how uncomfortable those lyrics make me feel, like really puts me on edge as like mm-hmm. a white person. I kind of like it. It's good. It's supposed to offend you, yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to like kind of hurt my feelings. And 
That's cool. That's definitely a part of it. And I will say, like, before all this is over with, that, yes, like, homophobic and, like, sexist songs from Eminem I do not listen to because they're they're not enjoyable. And he leans into it. It's not, like, light. Right. He gets very aggressive with it, but... I like the aggression he uses in other ways and other music like his I like the energy from him um but yeah like I agree like yeah I wouldn't hang out with him <laughs> and I wouldn't want him to be in my friend circle <laughs> One thing though that I like in that easy use diagnosis scene yeah comedy's like I'm not an F word. It's like they're addressing like you've been homophobic your entire career and now you're getting this disease that is only for gay people and him kind of struggling with that. Like, I thought that was like a nice touch. It was bringing those themes around again. So anyway, I think I should acknowledge that no matter how hard I am on Eminem, he's obviously earned some sort of like (laughs) deeply rooted part of hip hop culture because he is the only figure that is featured in all three of these movies. Uh, In Gully Boy, when he's writing, I mean, not only is it based on eight mile structurally, He's writing his lyrics in a um, notebook that has like a scrapbooked photo of Eminem in it. And then in the end credits of Straight Outta Compton, you know, he gets signed by Dr. Dre because the movie tries to cram it. Back to it. I loved yeah. that yeah. they forgot about Dre song yeah. that Eminem I hate it, but that's fair. <laughs> a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> it is a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> uh, and I'll also say, you know, the better movie about a white rapper is cool as ice featuring vanilla ice and everyone should you watch know, that Brandon, you are right <laughs> Do you i like agree yes yeah we fucking watched it yeah. for um one of the it was like one of the first movie, movie of the month, the month. Yeah. yeah it was fabulous um, cool as ice good movie <laughs> just like in general like i i like these movies but i wouldn't watch them again i don't think like i mean i've i've like out watched eight mile just because it played on tv a lot and i was a weird fucking kid and i saw eight mile in the theater i, I liked it at pro- the time i'll, I'll admit that too i should probably say <laughs> that. yeah shouldn't have said that i was a shithead it was 2002 what do you want me to do we're all shitheads in 2002 <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, w- I think I'll watch Gully Boy again because it is new and fresh. And I do want to kind of like watch it again because I enjoyed it. But I don't know. I'm not that big on like hip hop movies and hip hop biopics. Gully Boy is two and a half hours long and I've watched it twice in the past two months. And I enjoyed it both times. Yeah. So I think that says something. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's it is good. one of my favorite movies of the year. It's entertaining. And like, it's not just macho. You know, there's more elements to it than just a bunch of dudes like it's rapping about, the about financial shit. stuff. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, we'll be back to talk about more financial disparity in the next two weeks when we talk about Parasite, because that's a huge part of that movie as well. Yes. In the meantime, I'm currently posting a lot of reviews from New Orleans Film Festival on the website. So go to swampflix.com. You'll see some reviews from that. Uh, Do you have anything you want to say? This is y'all's last episode of the year together before we all come back for our best of 2019. Yeah, I don't... Do you have like a clear like favorite movie of the year so far? I know we got a lot of catch up in the next few months. I don't know. Probably gonna be Midsummer. Midsummer for me Fuck, too. Fuck, I was gonna say that. So <laughs> <Yes>. it's like <laughs> it's a movie I have thought about more than any other movie. Agree. It left like the biggest like imprint in my brain. I think. Yep, me too. But so that, I think cats might change January's my mind. <laughs> Whenever cats. cats comes out, I think that might change my mind. That does look like it will bury itself somewhere in my subconscious. Oh, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for cats. We'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys. Bye. <laughs>